वेलकम टू अज लॉन्ड्री पॉडकास्ट दिस इज न्यूज लॉन्ड्री इंटरव्यूज हेलो एंड वेलकम टू न्यूज लॉन्ड्री इंटरव्यूज आई एम शुभ्रता दास गुप्ता एंड आई हैव विद मी इन गुवाहाटी टूडे मिस्टर वजबीर हुसैन वेटरन जर्नलिस्ट पोलिटिकल कमेंटेटर एंड स्ट्रेटेजिक एनलिस्ट मिस्टर हुसैन इज द फाउंडर ऑफ द थिंक टैंक सेंटर फॉर डेवलपमेंट एंड पी स्टडीज मिस्टर हुसैन यू हैव सीन अ लॉट ऑफ इलेक्शन इन असाम वट वॉज द स्ट्राइकिंग फीचर इन दीज इलेक्शन well uh, this is the first elections in the past 30 years uh, that was so bitterly fought and particularly it was also the first election where two national parties the congress and the bjp were pitted against each other so this is something new in the state and election that was extremely bitterly fought a uh, lot of name callings during the entire campaign and of course as i said the two national political parties the congress and the bjp pitted against each other and trying their strength for the congress's defeat sir how big was the factor in anti incumbency well anti incumbency was a huge factor because uh, torun gogoi has been in government since uh, 2001 he had led the congress to victory three successive terms and uh, 15 years is a long period there has been anti incumbency and because people were looking for an alternative in the first won in 2001 as you know in 2006 it was fine there, there was there was good work done and 2011 there was hardly any opposition there hardly any alternative option there was uh, for the people of assam and therefore in 2014 lok sabha elections when the bjp demonstrated that it has the potential to emerge as a potent uh, force in assam because from three lok sabha seats uh, in 2014 they improved its, their tally to seven uh, the congress tally came down from seven to three so this this was the turning point and people realized that here was a party which has the potential to give an alternative uh, therefore therefore that that started uh, the congress uh, debate actually and ultimately leading uh, to this result which we have seen there are several other factors many commentators are saying it's saffronization or polarization would you call it that or would you call a yearning for change after 15 years of governance by a single party i would call it a yearning for change uh, after 15 years because uh, let me tell you uh, the bjp did not bring its uh, radical hindutva ideology into the campaign this time it kept hardcore saffronites away from the campaign uh, the campaign was generally uh, from the bjp it was the mainstream bjp leaders which campaign for the party apart from the local leaders which was prime minister narendra modi bjp president amit shah it was uh, sushma swaraj rajnath singh nitin gadkari you know all the uh, smriti rani all all the you know basically uh, their 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 good speakers good orators they they actually unleashed the oratorial might in assam but the most important point is these are all mainstream leaders and the fringe elements were kept out so i would say it was a yearning for change rather than any saffronization attempt by the bjp do you think uh, the bjp in their campaign uh, kept talking about the anti bangladeshi plank anti bangladeshi illegal uh, immigrant plank do you think the identity politics was a important uh, part of his campaign the sense of identity and the debate created around it uh, bjp adopted a very clear strategy this time as i said they kept Uh, the ideology part aside they didn't bring in the uh, secularism versus communalism debate into the uh, election campaign uh, 
number one having done that the bjp basically focused on livelihood creation development and uh, opportunities for the youth of assam but it also dealt on the most critical issue most emotive issue facing assam that is the politics of citizenship and uh, bjp has done it by saying that they called it the that this is not just an election but it's a battle to protect assam's future so that clicked because they said that they have to prevent the bangladeshi infiltration they have to save the local indigenous assamese people or the people of assam from the onslaught of bangladeshi uh, migration or the migrants so this is something which clicked and they also promised to completely seal the india bangladesh border of course that is a promise which we, which we have been hearing for the last 30 years so as you said a lot of promises we've been hearing for the last 30 years i mean the bjp is also promised a lot of things but how many of these promises are actually you know realistically possible uh what the bjp will do to bring about uh, change in the state's economy how it is going to create uh, job uh, jobs for the uh, you know 26 lakh unemployed youth in the state that we have to wait and see mm. but theoretically speaking the bjp government if it wants to they can stop fresh migration from bangladesh you know theoretically speaking that is what a government can actually do but what the government can do what it can actually achieve by way of identifying those illegal migrants who may already be in assam and how they are going to deport them actually in uh, without any deal or any agreement with bangladesh uh, that is uh, a difficult question to answer we have to wait and watch but bjp is expected to at least take up the issue with bangladesh try to form some kind of an agreement and make bangladesh agree that it's a problem and make bangladesh or dhaka agree that their citizens are actually uh infiltrating into bangladesh because as of now dhaka says that our people are not going to your country because your region is as uh, backward as some parts of bangladesh so why should you, our people go to northeast they will go to better places economically uh, advanced places so this is the challenge which the bjp will face in the coming days so the kind of relations modi government have been maintaining with bangladesh i have seen with the enclaves issue also do you actually see it being possible at least in the next 2 years because this has been a promise which they have kept on harping for so many times in the campaign uh well you see uh, 2019 we have the lok sabha elections again mm. and the politics of citizenship is once again going to come the bjp has to demonstrate something which they have done in the next in in this coming 3 years from now mm. now that they have a state government which is also run by the bjp mm. uh, so that will make things all the more challenging for the bjp to actually uh, show results in front of the people of assam but uh, let me tell you in the past 20 years this is the only time that india has got real good relations with bangladesh the rapport between prime minister narendra modi and prime minister sheikh hasina is really actually good so this is the first time in 20 years that india has very cordial relations with bangladesh and i uh, definitely would like to believe that uh, prime minister modi will take initiative to directly face this issue uh, take the bull by the horns and take this issue with bangladesh try to make them agree that uh, it is indeed a problem and resolve the issue uh, bilaterally so this is more an international uh, affairs issue rather than a domestic issue as we have been seeing in the campaign see domestically uh, if if uh, there are a lot of uh, perception there is a perception that there are lakhs and lakhs of bangladeshi in assam uh, i don't know the figures but we cannot deny that there are illegal migrants that there are illegal migrants is almost certain but domestically you can only detect them through the indian legal system but deportation is uh, something which involves the cooperation of bangladesh but yes if you want to expel them there is a distinction between expulsion and deportation deportation is a legal process but if you 
take this bunch of people who have been declared as illegal migrants by the Indian legal system, if you take this bunch to the border and say that you get lost now, otherwise you'll shoot, uh, then, uh, then they will go, and, but they will re-enter Assam through another territory. So that is not going to solve the problem. If you have to solve the problem, you have to take up the issue with Bangladesh, come up with some kind of an agreement, and then resolve this issue once and for all. So you sp spoke about the practically, I mean, theoretically stopping all fresh illegal immigration. So what is the aspect which makes it possible? Is it through a wall or like Trump has been speaking about in Mexico? Or what, what is it? See, we, uh, we, have, we have this project which is going on for several years now, uh, barbed wire fencing along the India-Bangladesh border. But that is easier said than done. The barbed wire still is not complete. But assuming that the barbed wire will be complete, and it can be completed actually if the government wants to, but there are a lot of rivers crisscrossing the two countries. So that is also a challenge, river patrols. But that can be done. Fencing is one step then you have to have a second line of defense. You might, you might like to settle some ex-servicemen or others in the border areas. But basic, at the end of the day, uh, it is development that is going to prevent fresh influx. If you take development to the border areas, if you provide the livelihood options, if you provide healthcare education to those people who are already settled on our side of the border, then these are the people who, who can actually act as a buffer and prevent fresh infiltration. Because they, these people, migration, you see there are two categories of migrants. You cannot say that those people who have come 50 years ago, we cannot call, continue to call them as Bangladeshis year after year. There is a cutoff date fixed by the government of India. So those who have come before 71 has to be, have to be accepted as Indian citizens. So these are the people, if they have, their areas are developed, if you take development to these areas, these are the people who are going to act as a buffer and stop fresh migration from Bangladesh. Coming back to the election campaign, uh, where do you think the Congress actually went wrong? Uh, Congress did not have an uh, election winning strategy. They showed clear signs of governance fatigue. Uh, uh, you know, they did not take any steps to quell the dissidents. They allowed the dissidents to continue for the last two and a half years. Uh, when Himanto Biswa Sharma was uh, uh, rebelling against Chief Minister Torun Gogoi, uh, the AICC did nothing. They, they did send senior leader Mallikarjun Kharge. Kharge took the advice of all the 78 MLAs. At least 50 of them wanted a change in leadership. Kharge went back. What did we see? We saw Rahul Gandhi and Sonia Gandhi reposing fate in Torun Gogoi. So they pushed Himanto Biswa to the wall. And he was welcomed wholeheartedly by Narendra Modi and Amit Shah. And the result is there for all of us to see. So that was the turning point, not being able to keep their master strategist into the, on, in the party fold. That is one. And secondly, uh, uh, Torun Gogoi has not brought about any reshuffle in his ministers. Some of the ministers held on to the same portfolios for the last 15 years. Uh, Non-performing ministers were not changed. You had so many people to select. You had 78. MLAs. You could have tried to juggle around, tried to see who could perform. So there was the power situation was bad. The unemployment scenario was uh, going up. The infrastructure was not developing. So these are some of the critical issues. And, and, and there was a perception that there were a lot of lobbies, with, lobbies within the Congress, even after Himanta Bisho had quit the party. So, so these are some of the reasons why uh, the Congress actually lost. Uh, there was no campaign uh, focus. There was no star campaigners. Of course, I must say here that uh, Mr. Torun Gogoi almost single-handedly uh, tried to campaign for the party. He did almost, uh, he went solo. Uh, when he went to file his nomination paper, there was not a single Congress leader accompanying him. It was only his wife, 
Mrs. Dolly Gogoi, who accompanied him when he went to file his nomination papers. So these are uh, issues which uh, you know people of Assam were watching, and uh, they realized that this is a sinking ship. And uh, therefore, people wanted parivartan or change. This was the word we heard over and over and over again during elections. So I think the high, unprecedented 85% polling also uh, demonstrated the people's uh, will for change. And that is what has happened. Is it a scathing indictment of both Mr. Rahul Gandhi and Mrs. Sonia Gandhi, the failure to read the pulse of the party uh, and, and the state unit? Absolutely. Uh, when it was just like you know the AICC pressing the self-destruct button in Assam and and waiting without doing anything. So uh, the the results. Who has to take the responsibility? Torun Gogoi very graciously said yesterday, uh, or I mean, uh, he has said that uh, you know uh, I take full responsibility. I don't want to blame Rahul Gandhi, but that is expected. I'm not surprised with that because uh, he wants to take the responsibility. Everybody is shielding Rahul Gandhi, so that is the only job of the Congress leaders today. But the fact remains that uh, the Congress they have to. It's a, it's a huge wake-up call. It is being reduced. It's not no longer. Uh, uh, it will no. It will no longer be a pan-India party if this uh, declining trend continues. So Sonia Gandhi and Rahul Gandhi have to take the blame because you, you first of all, don't give autonomy to the state leaders. You continue with the high common culture. And uh, and then you want that your leadership has to be acknowledged by everybody. That cannot happen. You have to either you give total autonomy to the state leaders or you control everything and take the responsibility. What happened to the so-called self-appointed uh, kingmaker, Badruddin Ajmal of the AIUDF? We saw him making a lot of statements, but then he lost his own constituency. Uh, well, uh, pre-poll uh, pre statements should not be given so much of importance because everybody will try to posturize. You know, posturings during election campaign or during elections is something very common. But why did Badruddin uh, uh, lost? Uh, he why did he lose himself? And why did his party's tally come down from 18 to 13? Uh, that is that that is also very interesting because I presume that you know the massive victory of the BJP, 86 seats, because they had contested only 89 on their own. And their allies had contested, AGP had contested 24, and the BPF had contested 12 seats or 13 seats. Now they've got 86 total tally. Now, now the question is, uh, such a massive victory is possible only when every section of the community uh, votes for a particular party. You know, so I presume that uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, Muslims, a section of Muslims at least, must have voted for uh, either the BJP or its allies like the AGP and BPF, and therefore uh, the Muslim vote has also got split between the Congress and the AODF. So we have seen the results: uh, AODF uh, tally coming down from 18 to 13. So where these five seats have gone? These five seats have gone to the BJP and its allies. So what does it mean? It could well mean because it's the early days. We have to analyze the vote share, etc. Now, these are early days. So what I'm saying is that I presume a lot of Muslims may have also voted for the BJP and its allies. And therefore, uh, the, the losers were Congress and, of course, the AIUDF. And why did Azmal himself lose? That, again, is a rejection of dynastic politics, which Azmal, within 10 years of his party's formation, has, has demonstrated. Because he is an MP. His younger brother is an MP. Two of his sons are MLAs. So if this is not dynastic politics, what is? Uh, going forward, between Sarbananda Sonowal and Himanta Bishwa Sharma, there has to be a lot of synergy in governance, because these are the two faces we are seeing today uh, in the party, uh, in the allies, allies also. They are the two faces who are coming out. So, but in politics, as you know, egos are fragile. So, to prevent a kind of fallout which happened between Mr. Torun Gogoi and Himanto Biswa Sharma, you know, how can these two prevent a similar sort of an ego tussle? I think uh, people learn lessons. 
uh, I think Himanta Biswa Sharma is himself a very key player. He was a key player with the Congress. He has been a very critical player in the uh, in the BJP. It is he who actually stitched up the alliances with the AGP and the BPF. Uh, nobody was uh, willing to you know put their money on the AGP. It was almost declared as a party that was defunct and becoming irrelevant. Uh, people like Himanta Biswa Sharma took a great risk by aligning. You, you, we saw a lot of resentment, a lot of people coming on the streets protesting, but they stuck to their guns, and the results are there for all to see, because out of 24, they have got 14. So let us not talk about ego hassles, but uh, I will not be surprised if the BJP leadership takes a person like a strategist like Himanta Biswa Sharma to the center. So if, if he's taken as a union cabinet minister, uh, then all this issue of ego tussles and other, because everybody will have their own, own jobs to do. So that may also happen. But let us not talk about uh, ego tussle as of now. Let's give them a chance, because we have seen them work with synergy during the election campaign. They have both, uh, both as well as others, uh, worked in tandem and brought a good result for the party. We'll wait and watch and give them some more time to see before we comment. What are the biggest challenges <coughs> in front of Mr. Sonowal today as he takes oath as CM until 25th? Biggest challenge before Sonowal, number one, will be to usher in progress and development in the state, create livelihood, create jobs, and of course, uh, keep the law and order situation under control. So we have seen a gradual improvement in the law and order, and uh, he must ensure that it, it either improves or at least does not deteriorate. Uh, but his biggest challenge will be in the economic front. He has to generate more power in the state, or whether he generates or whether he buys power, that's a different story, but he has to bring in industrialization. He has to come up with, come up with innovative ideas uh, to create self-employment in the state. He has to find out what are the uh, USP, what are the areas where Northeast or Assam uh, can actually capitalize on, whether it is the IT sector, whether it is the agriculture sector. He has to give a tremendous boost to agriculture in a scientific manner. Uh, he has to do a lot of things. He has to stop the brain drain from a some. He has to give a lot of focus on the education sector because the people who, young people are the future of this country. As we all know, India is a young country. 65% of our population are below 30 or around 30. So these people going out from Assam, they never come back because there, there is no job opportunities here. This will be a challenge. And of course, politically, the, the migrant issue, he has to resolve it sooner than later because he cannot go with the same issue with an unfulfilled promise in 2019 when BJP will be also having anti-incumbency. The Modi wave may not be there as much as it was in 2014. So huge challenges for uh, Sarban Anderson-Wall. And for all of these to happen, uh, the kind of promises that he's made, one base that has to be created is the end of insurgency. So uh, on that front, what challenges do you see in front of Mr. Sonowal? Well, uh, insurgency, he must to, he must make sure that the talks with the Ulfa go as scheduled. He must actually not permit it to drag on indefinitely. He must uh, impress upon the center to resolve the Ulfa issue in a time-bound manner because Ulfa is a prominent militant group. Then uh, he must ensure that peace prevails, uh, the accord which was reached with the uh, in the tribal areas of Assam, that is the hill districts, both in Karbianglong and North Kachai, is that, that uh, there are a lot of charges that they have not been implemented, some small groups are once again emerging on the scene. So these are his challenges. And he must also open a new front with Paris Barua and try to bring him to the mainstream and uh, make sure that uh, uh, he comes to the negotiating table. This is uh, whether he comes and will depend on how tactics or what strategy the state government adopts. And new front is, of course, uh, the Maoist, they have to be kept under check. We cannot allow, wait for the full-blown rebellion uh, before taking a step. But most important, uh, we cannot ignore the 35% Muslims in Assam. 
if you assume that you can win an election without these people, I've said that some people have voted, but if the, if the perception is that majority have not voted and so we'll not do anything for the 35% Muslims of Assam, uh, you will be making them extremely vulnerable, particularly in the Chor areas. They are extremely vulnerable uh, to anti-India elements uh, taking and capitalizing on the situation, and we might have a different kind of a problem in Assam, which we don't want. Now, the problem is development, education, healthcare, livelihood, these are the three things which much reach the minorities. I mean, I'm talking about the Muslims, particularly in the Chors of Assam, where there is total underdevelopment, total lack of connectivity, total no health care, no education. So this is something which the BJP government will have to address, because if, if they are talking about inclusiveness, they have to look at all these things in a holistic manner. So you're saying inclusive development in Assam, especially has a security angle because it's a bordering state. Is that what you're trying to imply, sir? Absolutely. Uh, you see, I mean, 35% population and a large number of them located along the India-Bangladesh border, uh, which despite the fence, we all know there are, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a porous border. There are a lot of rivers crisscrossing the two countries. So, and, and Bangladesh is a blow-hot, blow-cold kind of a place for as far as jihadi terror is concerned. So we cannot take chances, you see. So um, if this places, if these Chor areas or the riverine areas of Assam are not developed, if the people are live in abject poverty, if they have no access to healthcare and education and connectivity and power, uh, they might fall prey to anti-India elements. This is something which nobody wants. So this is something which the government must be seized uh, of the matter. And, uh, I mean, and, and BJP government has a big responsibility because they have just made its entry into the northeastern region. They would definitely like to consolidate their position in the northeast. So they cannot afford to ignore a large chunk of uh, the, the people, which is 35%, by not doing anything for them. I think this is going to be a huge challenge for Sabananda Sonwal. And I'm sure good sense will prevail. I'm sure they will understand the situation. Uh, in a, they will look at it in a different manner. We, uh, we have had governments in the past 60, 70 years after independence. Nobody did anything for these uh, uh, migrant settlers. So, you see, there are two issues. We cannot call every single char dweller a Bangladeshi. We have to make a distinction. This is a separate issue. Indian nationals are Indian nationals. Whether they had come from uh, East Bengal or where, where nobody is bothered today. That's a different debate. But they are Indian citizens. Whoever is an illegal migrant must be detected and expelled. There is no debate on that. Uh, for illegal foreigners must be detected and expelled. But those who are our own nationals, they have to be treated equally. This is something which the new government has to address. Uh, nationally, sir, how important or how significant are these elections, both for the Congress and for the BJP? For the BJP, for the first time, they have been able to shake off its image as a Hindi heartland or a cow belt party. It has now, the Assam win has, you know, made the BJP or, uh, or lent the BJP a pan-India character. So this is a big plus for the BJP. They have made an entry not just into the northeast, but into the east as well, eastern India. So from here, we have to wait and watch how, whether they consolidate or whether they lose the initiative. But as far as the Congress is concerned, uh, they, the fact that they have not been able to hold on to a stronghold Forget about recovering lost ground. This uh, Assam has been a stronghold of the Congress party. Uh, except for the 10 year of AGP rule over two terms, 
and a brief Janta Party tenure. Uh, I think Assam has been in Congress rule. So they have not been able to retain or hold on to their stronghold is something which, is, which reflects very poorly on the Congress leadership. And it also uh, uh, puts a huge question mark on the leadership of Rahul Gandhi. Uh, why I'm not talking about Sonia Gandhi? Because Sonia Gandhi is slowly abdicating in favor of Rahul Gandhi. Therefore, Rahul Gandhi has to take the responsibility. So you cannot lose elections uh, one after the other and still claim that you are, a, you are the main opposition party in the country. Uh, I think either you do something or you vacate that space to others uh, to take over. Because India cannot be a unipolar nation. We need a strong opposition in this country. Uh, we need a strong government. Uh, at the same time, we need a strong opposition. This is the character of a true democracy. So that is not happening. And Rahul Gandhi has a responsibility. Uh, he cannot say that who, who, who bothers you know, winning or losing is my problem. Even, uh, what goes to you? So he cannot just uh, come up with that kind of an answer. He has to gear up his shocks. And the Congress party has to really uh, do some soul charging and uh, come up with strategies. That was Mr. Wasbir Hussain in a candid conversation with News Laundry, speaking about the recently concluded election results and the implications for both Assam and India as a whole. We will thank you a lot for this conversation. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Catch all new episodes of News Laundry interviews on newslaundry.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.